You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by ESPN National Insider, Jeremy Fowler, who does terrific work on TV and for ESPN Plus with his stories based off talks with elite coaches and executives. We discuss a lot about the Washington football team from his introduction to the Terry McLaurin fan club to the national perception of the organization. Which QB is the one to watch for Washington? Which free agent receiver did he project here in free agency? and more. You can follow Jeremy on Twitter at ESPN. that's J-F-O-W-L-E-R, ESPN, and you can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have another story later in the week about the pursuit of one position in particular this offseason. Before I share my conversation with Jeremy, here are a couple nuggets. I did ask him about Terry McLaurin because fans do get upset if people don't view him as one of the absolute best receivers. It's a hard spot to ascend to, especially only after two years, and McLaurin certainly is on his way up that ladder. I also think with more help around him, more high-profile games, he'll eventually get there. What he's done in two years without consistent quarterback play and without a quality, consistent threat on the outside around him is remarkable. I know there was a story the other day about Jeff Bezos being interested in buying Washington's franchise No, I don't see that happening, nor did a few people I checked with yesterday. To get there, Dan Snyder would want to sell or be forced to sell. And for better or worse, I haven't heard anything that suggests we're at that point. If it gets there down the road, then certainly he's somebody you would expect would be interested because we've heard his name before. I think this was just something in connection to some suits that were filed that were uncovered by front office sports. Um, It's hard to imagine a guy like Bezos being content as a minority owner, which Washington needs to find. In the past, his name was linked to Seattle after the death of Paul Allen. So far, the Seahawks have not come on the market. If they ever did, that could be the team to watch for Bezos. The other interesting part was that it was about Bruce Allen and talking to John Moog, who's a guy leading the search to get some of these minority investors to be able to, um, to sell their shares. What I do know, and I've told you before, that Bruce Allen was very tight with the minority owners, Dwight Shar in particular. So if there's a lot of connection there, yeah, you can probably figure out what's going on there. But, but there is a connection, so that's where we're at. Anyway, moving on. One thing I wanted to mention the other day in regards to quarterback Taylor Heineke. In talking to some around the league about his deal, one person pointed this out, that Washington could have signed him to a two-year contract when it promoted him from the practice squad, as some apparently there suggest they should do. They would have had him at a cost of the minimum $610,000. It's what they did with Steven Montez when they took him off the practice squad. Now his new deal doesn't break the bank as there's only $1.5 million in guaranteed money. The rest of it he has to earn, and it's certainly possible that he will. It does have those incentives that take it up to 8.75 over two years. 
Now, if he plays well and solidifies a spot as a backup or, or spot starter or whatever, then in some ways that contract could still end up to be a bargain. But it does sound like they had a chance to have a better one. To be fair, I'm not sure why they didn't do this, but what I do know is that it worked out well for Heineke. I know some of you asked for an update on Sadiq Charles, who had knee surgery, of course, in the fall and played only two snaps this year. My understanding is that he's progressing well. He's on pace to return. He's on pace for his, with his recovery. Not running yet after the knee surgery, but he is moving well from what I'm told. I don't know that he'll be on the field in OTAs. I'm not even sure anyone will be on the field this spring. That remains to be seen. It's possible Charles could be ready then, but then it depends on how much he'd be helped by continuing to rehab rather than just, rather than just working on the field. Um, and a lot of times they're going to take with guys who have had the surgery, they're going to be very cautious with them in the spring and not rush anything because when they really need them is in the summer, um, of course. But he certainly is expected to be there this summer. As I've said before, they like him at both tackle and guard. I, and I don't think they've communicated to him that how they see him down the road. So what it tells me is that he gives them some flexibility to find another lineman this offseason and use Charles accordingly wherever he ends up to be needed. Last thing, the more I talk to people about Chase Young, the more impactful I realize he was this season, not just on the field, but all over. For example, I know there were some coaches um, who wanted to see more from Montez Sweat during his rookie season in terms of the approach he took and all that. I think it sounds like he was kind of weighed down by the culture in the locker room, the coaching changes, all the stuff going on. It affected various aspects of his game or his work. Young is a natural, upbeat person who basically pulled Sweat up to his level in terms of the approach, how he works away from the field, how he stays attentive in meetings. It's a good example of somebody who is willing to pull others up and somebody who is willing to be led and wanted to be led because if Sweat didn't want to be led or at least pulled up, then he would have bucked it from the start. That's not what happened. I think he stayed after Sweat in a good way and it's one reason, it's one reason why Sweat had the kind of year he did. A lot of credit to Sweat for what he did, of course. He he was able to build on his game. He started getting a little bit better at the end of his rookie year. So I don't know that all that was going on. I don't know, but that was some of the thoughts behind the scenes. Um, but I do think it also speaks to why Young was such an important pick for this franchise, not just for what he did on the field, but for the way he can lift others around him and bring them up. That's how you start to build culture. Well, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Which wide receiver did he predict will come here in free agency? Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Well, Jeremy, before before I get started, a week or two ago, you were kind of introduced to the Terry McLaurin fan club on, on social media and just how popular <laughs> this guy is with fans. And you a little bit surprised at, at just his popularity, given like, if, unless you basically say he's one of the best, yeah. people seem to take a little bit of offense to that. That's funny. Yeah, I was doing some uh, free agency preview work and, and I pegged Allen Robinson to the Washington Football Club because I do think they're going to be pretty aggressive and trying to upgrade some parts of the offense. And uh, I had mentioned that Terry McLaurin is terrific, but he's some around the league view him as sort of a high level number two. Uh, and so a lot of people took offense to that. I heard that on my phone. I got some texts about it uh, and it was all in good fun. You know, I, I think, uh, and I, he certainly has the potential to be a number one. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Stefan Diggs yeah. as far as how he plays, you know, and just his build and like the ceiling for him. Right. Um, but uh, you know, just talking to some people around the league when they rank like the top 10 guys, 
uh, he's typically not on there yet, even though he had a great year. So, but you know, it, it, it could be a matter of time, but yeah, I, I heard a little bit about that. And it is funny. Cause like very soon he could be a top. And I think that's what people have to understand is like, are, wh- who are the 10 and like, yeah. does he fit in there yet? It's a hard place to get to. It's kind of like yeah. saying quarterbacks elite. And then when you do the rankings, maybe that elite guy, guy you think is elite is number eight on the list. Well, you don't have eight elite quarterbacks in the NFL. So, but you know, it is funny because I know you hit like yesterday, there was something, it was Chad, um, Chad Johnson was talking about how nasty McLaurin was and how some of those guys really like him and they yeah. like his game. And, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, he is a guy who is still ascending and will. And a big part of that is getting another quarterback in here. Yeah. And so that, that leads me to, and I'm going to get back to Allen Robinson in a minute and even like Juju and those guys, but with, with this quarterback carousel, we had to do something on ESPN and you had, and I think the same as me, Sam Donald is the guy you thought would be their starter week one. Do you still think that you still think that they end up trading him? That's an interesting situation because I think the jets are taking a step back. You know, they're not wholly committing to selling Darnold. They're, they're looking at it from a couple different angles. I know the coaching staff with the Jets is has some intrigue in coaching Darnold. They believe that they can help him. They can get him better. Uh, and so that adds a wrinkle. And then I think the Jets, you know, from what I've heard, asking around the league, they're willing to take their time here. You know, they know they have time. Uh, they got to figure out what quarterbacks they could select in the draft, whether it's Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And so they want to get the full picture there and figure it all out. Uh, and so that makes it difficult. I, I know Washington is intrigued in, in quarterbacks like that where there's right. ability there. Maybe there's some untapped ability and the contract wouldn't break the bank. Uh, that's why I think they're at least one of the teams uh, loosely involved in Marcus Mariota. I think teams are, are still talking to the Raiders. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be surprised if Washington's done more than looked into that just because you know, the contract would make some sense. And um, here's a guy who you know hasn't played much in the last year, but looked pretty good in that one game he played. And you know at least what you're getting for the most part. Uh, at the very least, it could be a one-year stopgap that can help you win some games and be an upgrade. And, and you know, with, with Darnold, what do you, what else do you – because I've – and it's funny because I've talked to some people who are – aren't very high on him. And I've talked to yeah. some other coaches in the league who are like, that's the guy I would go get. What do you right. hear about him? Yeah, it's, it's all over the map. I, I would say he's probably the most polarizing of them all. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've talked to some coaches with teams that would be looking around and they say he was awful last year. Like it was really bad, just the accuracy and missing receivers. But others say, look, he's been in the worst situation the last three years than anybody. You know, and so you, you almost have to erase some of that and start fresh with him and, and take his strengths uh, and maximize them. You know, that's why I think the Jets are at least intrigued by him with the new staff, because I feel like with the 49ers, Shanahan, Kubiak system, that can benefit him a great deal and sort of simplify things for him. You know, you play to his strength and you go with it. Um, so he, you know, whereas Matthew Stafford, obviously you knew what you were getting in that trade market. Deshaun Watson, you would know. Even Jimmy Garoppolo, for the most part, you know what you're getting, where Darnold is still a complete mystery. So it takes the right coaching staff and coordinator. It takes a personnel and GM, where in this case, Martin Mayhew, let's say he had Sam Darnold ranked very high. We don't know exactly where he had him ranked yet, but that plays big into it. Um, It takes somebody who believed in Darnold a great deal three years ago. Uh, I, I would say that but there's more positive than negative in how teams look at him for the most part because of the raw ability. And you know it's and and he's only twenty three years old too, which yeah. is which is kind of amazing to think about. Um, so that's why you wonder like what the cost would be. And I 
you know, what do you think the cost would be to get a guy like that? Well, I, you know, I know our Adam Schefter has said maybe a late first. Um, I, I don't know if, if Carson Wentz didn't merit a late first. I don't know the Sam Darnold is at this point. You know, I, I think right. um, it's possible because of the upside. Uh, I think I think a day two pick, I think a second rounder would probably get it done. Um, you know, so the Jets, they'll say, hey, OK, look, if we stay at two, do we have a quarterback we can win with? Um, and if, if, do we have a quarterback equal or better than Darnold? If it's at least equal, then they save all the money on, on a low rookie right. contract. So I think that's how they're looking at it. And, uh, you know, they, it's, they're, they're out, but they, they, their problem is they're monitoring the Deshaun Watson situation too. Like if they if they get the green light, you know, they'll jump into that one, but there's no guarantee Watson wants to go there. In right. fact, I think he'd prefer to go to some other places. So um, they have a lot to sort out. I think that's why they're waiting and not being rash. You know, where the Eagles, like, it was sort of broken with Carson Wentz. Um, I think when they fired Doug Peterson, they were hopeful. That, but yeah, it just became clear he was unhappy there. Where Darnold, I think, you know, he still wants to stay there. So they they have more to sort out than most teams. It's kind of looking at Philly too. It's it's almost. I was tell, texting with someone the other day. It's kind of remarkable because. Going into the season, you'd say this is a really good franchise and a stable franchise. They got right. this situation, they got that. And now you look at them and it, it feels like a mess. What's the perception of them around the league? There's a lot of dissecting going around about um, some of the hidden issues there that were maybe known a little bit in, in some league circles, but it's almost like they had this foundation set on sand, you know, like, um, and it just, it just sort of caved on them. Uh, it's there, there's a lot of finger pointing. Um, there's just a wonder how uh, Howie Roseman has survived all this, you know, and, and, and where others haven't. Um, where Doug Peterson went to three straight playoffs in a Super Bowl and still loses his job. There's just so much. There, there, these are just questions that are being asked uh, of what the heck is going on there. Um, and it's. Yeah, it, it's it's really remarkable to even try to figure it out. I, I think part of it is just they, they held on to a Super Bowl roster a year or two too long, and you couple that with a, a quarterback that was clearly shaken by the drafting of Jalen Hurts. And I think that's partly why he's out now is, is still, I think, that Jalen Hurts issue for him loomed large. He's like, I just got past this Nick Foles stuff. Right. Nick Foles is the hero. I got us to the playoffs last year, and then you draft a quarterback in the second round. Uh, it was already fragile emotionally for wins, and then you bring in him. Uh, and so, I, you know, from what I was hearing when they fired Peterson, I thought like the chances increased greatly that wins would stay. But then the, just the hurts thing he couldn't overcome, too. So it just became clear. It's it also comes down to football, right? Like they have a ton of offensive line injuries. They aged at several positions they shouldn't have. Probably should have drafted just Justin Jefferson when they didn't. You know, like this receiver right. was a major issue. So uh, it was just a roster that they caught fire three years ago that wasn't as good as everybody thought. And so that fell apart. And that makes everybody look bad. How does Washington, what's, how much have they changed their perception? And do you think, do people buy into where they're, where they feel like they might be headed? You look at what they ended five and two mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the season, um, you know, lost a lot of games with Haskins in place. So now that Haskins obviously is not the long-term issue, uh, you look at the body of work and what they had to work with. Um, this is a pretty good team. I think that they, they, I think that they gained a lot of respect uh, in Ron Rivera's first year. And I think that's why you'll see them be at least mildly aggressive in the next month uh, because they feel like, uh, you know, probably a few pieces away from, from contention, honestly. Well, but it's funny though. you look at their roster. It's, and we've talked about this. It's still a lot of, um, you know, either 
low budget veteran deals or rookie right. deals, like there's still some upgrades there that have to be made, um, you know, especially on defense. And uh, which is a, a good thing. I think, yeah, like you look, there weren't a lot of obvious like cap, cap casualties right. when I was looking at the roster, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because you're not really cash strapped, but it, and, and it's a bad thing because you maybe need more established players. Um, and they're going to have to pay Jonathan Allen at some point, but you have a foundation with good line play. Um, assuming you keep Brandon Scherf, which I think they absolutely need to do. Um, you know, he just, with, with, a, with an offense that isn't loaded, you know, it's, it's hard to get rid of a, your best offensive lineman. I just, I, it, it's a bad time to do that if you want to keep building. So, um, but they're, they're built strong in the right places. You know, they just, they, they need, need to add another playmaker to need to solve the quarterback spot more depth than say linebacker secondary. I think they'll be pretty good. And I think you're right on, on all of that. And that, you know, I, I also wonder like, as the perception as an organization, do, you know, is it too soon? Cause I get that this all the time, like by fans, can they believe now that this is the right direction? What point should, and I always, my thing has always been, let's see how they go this year to see how they build off it. Cause we've all had, you know, seen the ball get pulled away from fans here in the past, but right. But as far as an organization, do you feel like there's, you know, what have what did they prove maybe in the last year with Rivera and, and where this is going? Aside from just the roster and, and on-field stuff, have they done anything different as an organization to show that maybe this is different? You know, I think Rivera's presence helps as a guy that's been to a Super Bowl, um, comes in, seems to command the locker room and the room in a good way. Um, and then, you know, Martin Mayhew, you bring him in, guy who, who's got a lot of credentials and uh, is well-respected around the league. Marty Herney, as a, as a talent evaluator, is very well-respected. So you have a clear-cut uh, channel of command, a chain of command that you can lean on. And uh, so Ron has the respectability. He's going to be making, I assume, a lot of the final calls, but um, you know where things are going. There's a three-man process. Those three guys are going to make the decisions, I assume. Um, and so I, I think you can, you can take solace in that coupled with a lot of the young talent you have is, that's exciting. You know, you've hit on some draft picks. Now you got to work around those guys, uh, and provide them with more talent. But, you know, the ownership issue is always going to loom large. I mean, you hear the stories, you saw what Jay Gruden said the other day, I think yeah. about uh, the Dwayne Hassan's pick and Dan <laughs> just walking in the room and like, like stuff like that is always a wild card that can, if that's going to sabotage your, your upcoming draft that's always going to take away from, from the, the bottom line of fandom a little bit. So I, you know, um, that's always going to loom large, but if you, if you're looking for more stability than you've had, I think you do have it with the current regime. And with, with Sheriff and I, you know, the tag stuff comes out today. You can start tagging people. Do you think they'll be able to get a deal done without tagging him again? Because he's in a good spot where if he just says, well, I don't want to sign, they can tag me. I can make 18 million. Right. But yet, you know, I, you, like you, I do believe you got to find a way to sign him because he is really good at what he does and they like yeah. they value interior line play. What do you think happens there? Yeah, it's complicated, right? Cause he's got the injury history, um, right. but they tagged him anyways. And uh, you know, he, he performed pretty well when he was in there. So it's like, it's tough. Do you want to go 18 million a year for a guard? Probably not. Um, but you know, knowing Sheriff's situation, I'm assuming that's going to be his benchmark because that's what a good a good right. negotiation would uh, would demand, right? Because it's the 120% of the 15 million. You're not going to want to take less than that. But if you want to make it work, you can structure it in such a way that 
gives him some cap relief in the first few years, gives him the guaranteed money that he needs. I, I think you can do it. That's, that's the question is, do you, ta- I think the issue is, do you tag him again to buy yourself some time? But here's the issue with that. The Colts could do Quentin Nelson and that's going to be a huge deal. Right. And then the Bengals are desperate, desperate for offensive line help. Do they go throw 18 million a year at Joe Thune? Um, then you're looking at even more like, do you, you know, so true. It's the cost analysis of, do you just try to knock it out now versus do you wait? Um, I, I think, you know, I, I think they'll end up being, um, at least mildly aggressive here, you know, um, to, to just to at least try. And it, it wouldn't shock either way though, cause it is a big number, but he, you know, he's a, he's a top three guard right now. Zach Wilson, sure. Zach Martin's been hurt. Brandon Brooks has been hurt. You know, if you have a top two to three player to position, it's hard to let that go. I heard this with Jonathan Allen too, where it's like, well, he's a guy who's respected in the organization. He's a guy who's done what you've asked him to do and right. worked a certain way. If you don't sign him, what does it send? What message does it send to the other players in the locker room? So I think right. Sheriff would be one of those guys as well. You brought up Allen Robinson too. Do you think that the Bears end up tagging him or do you think he does get to free agency? I think it depends on what happens in the next week or two if they have a clear picture of their quarterback. I mean, I, I think they're scrambling there in Chicago every day to figure out what they can do at the quarterback position and how they can get a clear picture here. You know, so whether it's like a Mariota or whether they're going to rely on a draft pick, but they're sort of stuck in the middle. They, they don't have any depth of receiver, um, so they need Allen Robinson. But I think Allen Robinson is looking to get out. I think he would prefer not to be tagged. I think he knows right now he can get a big deal somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't think he'll be overly happy if he gets tagged. And I think he could not sign it and, and drag this out, you know, honestly. Um because it, it hasn't gone well there. The negotiations didn't go well a year before. So the, it, I don't think he's going to feel like they're going to negotiate in earnest with him over the next four months if he is tagged. Um, so I can see, you know, they ha- they need some cap relief too. Right. So I could see them moving on and then going to sign a guy, whether it's like a Corey Davis or one, like, you know, somebody maybe in that uh, second tier receiver market where you feel like you can get a, a little better value. Um, I don't know. I, I saw – some are paying the Chicago is needing to tag him and, and you know, they, they do need to, and it could help, but I, I don't know that, that that one's interesting. I just, I feel like both sides want a clean break. And then with, for you just pegging, cause you did, and for people listening, you did, Jeremy did a top 50 free agents breakdown. Was it a few weeks ago? Correct. Um, mm-hmm. That's on ESPN plus a really good thorough breakdown. Not only are the top 50 free agents, but your prediction for where they end up. And you did have Robinson to, to Washington, I mean, I would assume his services are going to be highly sought after by a lot of yeah. teams. Why did you feel that Washington might – why did you predict that him for Washington? Well, I just go back to them wanting Amari Cooper last year. Right. You know, they're obviously willing to spend on that position. Um, you know, they feel like they're a piece or two away. You know, they, they have between Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas and those guys, they have some intriguing pieces, but I think they need at least one more. Um, and so why not put it over the top? You know, they've got some money to spend. They're in a better situation than, than at least half the league from a salary cap standpoint. And then depending on what you do with Alex Smith, you could create a lot more. Um, and so, you know, I think especially if you're going to to uh, switch out the quarterback position and get somebody new in there via trade or free agency, you're going to need the weapons. Um, and so, you know, this is a team that got a taste of, of, of playoff help and they're going to want to capitalize on it, you know. So uh, I just think they're one of the teams that are going to be willing to look at, look at this pretty heavily. And uh, it, I, I do think teams will take one of two schools of thought with like the lower salary cap. They'll either say we're going to do a bunch of one year deals. Right. Um, 
at a high number, or they're going to think they're getting a little bit of a discount. And so, you know, they'll, they'll spend pretty big thinking, Hey, when the cap grows and flattens out a couple of years from now, we will have gotten a 15 to 20% discount. I don't know if Alan Robinson is going to take that, but um, you know, the point is you can, you can structure it in such a way where maybe you can actually help yourself a little bit if you're aggressive. Another guy you know well because you you were you were in Pittsburgh for at least you were you covered Juju Schuster for at least a year, right? Yeah. So yeah. So what you know he's going to be a free agent too, and and Pittsburgh's not going to franchise him. So what do you think happens with him, and what would they what would a team be getting in a Juju Schuster? So yeah, he's going to have a fascinating market because you know he's he's not a burner, but he gets yards after the catch. Right. Um, you know he's not he didn't put up numbers of a true number one. Uh, but he's shown a ton of toughness. He's shown he can make the big play. He's a terrific blocker. You know, he can do all the little things you want in an offense. If You know, if you want to run like that 49ers type system with him, you can. Or if you just want to line him out wide, uh, he can do that. But if you want a traditional tough slot that's going to get those yards up the middle, he can do that. So um, I think if if, if if you're a team looking for like kind of a, culture shift on the field with some toughness and kind of that that you know pittsburgh swag lack of a better term that that he'd be a good guy for that um so that's why i think you know he's not going to have like the 20 million dollar market but i think 16 a year is probably reasonable for him Uh, i think he might be able to pull that off especially like if you're a team like the raiders or somebody that already likes him and you're willing to spend a little bit could get interesting um, just a couple more things here, Jeremy. Thank you for your generous time here. Um, yep. Curtis Samuel is another one who is yep. going to be. And now you had him going to Jacksonville because the urban connection. Obviously, this group has a connection to him as well. What do you right. think? Where, where, you know, again, these are all just projections, but his contract value compared to a Juju or an Allen, what, what, would, what do you think it would be? Yeah, he's tough. He's, um, he's interesting because he's he, he can make big plays and he's fast. Um, and I know. The reason why I picked him to Urban Myers because I remember even talking to him about this back in the day when he was at, coming out of Ohio State. He looked at him as like his Percy Harvin, like mm, yeah, you know, just that sort of next level playmaker that sees the game at a different level. And I don't know if Samuel ever got to that that level. You know, Harvin didn't have huge NFL stats, but he was just a legend for how good right. he either was or could have been at any given moment. Um, just a really smart football player with great speed. And so Samuel's kind of a two point that maybe not at that level just yet. I. I know some coaches I've talked to kind of criticize his route running. They say he's really more of like almost like more of a running back who can, you know, line up in the slot or line up out wide and get you uh, some easy yards if you scheme him open. But he's not like, you know, he's not going to be an Allen Robinson as far as like a a pure route runner breaking it down. Um, And so I think that hurts his market a little bit, but it's going to be pretty strong because of the way offenses value yards after the catch and just raw playmaking and creativity. You know, so obviously with Carolina in this connection, that that would fit well. Um, but you know, like you got Antonio Gibson and guys like that that you can already do that with. I, I don't know. And to me, maybe Samuel's a little redundant there. It depends on how they would see him because they could almost use him as the reverse of an Antonio Gibson, right. mostly as a receiver, some as a running back. And it's funny because he made a huge play against this team last year. And you talk about the route running, and he actually ran a very a, kind of a poor route. It was like a post, but he fakes to the corner. And the safety doesn't bite, and it was a bad fake, and yet he was wide open because of his right. speed. It just right. like it, it right. topped anything else he had to do. It was all about speed, and you yep. know he at least held the safety enough. He didn't 
fool him, but he held him enough yeah. to get open like that. But that's what he can do. And right. so we'll see. The last Those one. Get paid, man. Yeah, and that. yeah, yeah, and and I, you know, so, but I could see him using him almost as like in in relation to Gibson as the as the receiver version of Antonio Gibson who right. can go to the backfield on occasion with these free agent quarterbacks. Are there any there that you say this guy might be intriguing for Washington? Whether and I know like you know Cam obviously has ties and they didn't get him last year, but he yeah. still has the ties. And I think part of the reason last year was because of the presence of Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. Um, but he obviously Cam didn't look great this year. So what do you think right. happens with any of those free agent quarterbacks? Who might be one that you'd say this is worth watching? Well, I was about to pull on a list here. Let's see. So I, I don't see, you know, I think New Orleans will keep Jameis. You know, they've already sort of expressed that to him. I mean, do you go like a Ryan Fitzpatrick route? I don't know. I don't know if I see that. You know, I think, I think, I, I don't know. Mariota, I keep, I've, I've heard it from a couple different people around the league, and I know it's sort of been like bantered about online. You know, I do think Washington's at least intrigued by him. Yeah, I agree. If, if, if it's a fourth rounder or something reasonable, like, why not, right? Um, doesn't really hurt you. No, I think that's the one to watch too. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, I, and it's not very exciting, to be honest. But if you feel like, you know, maybe he just wasn't healthy at the end in Tennessee and, you know, he had that, that game uh, where he came in for Derek Carr and looked great, you know, maybe maybe there's something there. And you can still draft a guy or, or right. play around with that, you know. But I don't know. I'm looking at the, the, the list here. Um, it's I'm the still end not. I, everybody says, look, Dak's going to get the second tag and all that, right? That's $38 million. Like, I'm still not convinced that they're going to do that. Like, yeah, until it's on paper. I don't know. I just – that's a massive number um, for a guy who was hurt, who's a great player, but like, right. I don't know. I, I, I still think that's one to watch. We'll see. Yeah. Um, they're saying all the right things, but it's been two years and you haven't paid him yet. So it's like, um, do you bring in like a Joe Flacco for, or an Andy Dalton for just a year or Ryan Fitzpatrick? I don't know if that solves things for you. Maybe it's. It only allows you, it allows you, it only allows you to keep building while and serving as a placeholder and then maybe going out next year and trying again. That you know what I mean? Like it, it maybe right. it allows you to not overspend to get a guy, right? Draft some more, get some free agents in here, get a better roster, and then maybe attack it next year. But it's right. hard, it, it's it's hard to get that guy, and it's a it's a never ending quest. So but see, like Alex, that's the thing, right? Alex Smith can do that. Yeah. But I I don't think you can hold up for 16 games. So and they don't want that at 24.4 million on the no. cap either. So that's the no, other that's the other one. So, yeah, we'll see. But anyways, Jeremy, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate the time and great insight. And thank you very much. man. Yeah, for sure, John. Keep up the great work, man. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Jeremy for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. It's always appreciated. I'll be back with another episode later this week, talking to former Washington player Chris Baker. Swaggy. Talk to you next time.